welcome to episode two of season two of the Mixtape Podcast, the podcast dedicated to deconstructing film from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host of this week. My name is Marcelo Ines Rosa, joined as always by the good angel and the bad angel on my shoulder, Dean Stark. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be talking about the 2001 film, Tomb Raider. So as we do every week, Dean is going to take us through a sort of a play-by-play sequence of this amazing film. So with all that being said in either way, Dean, you want to start to take us down this lovely road? You know, I've seen this movie so many times and I always call it Tomb Raider, right? I'm like, oh, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider. It's and this is not this is not correcting you. This is correcting me because I just I I don't know why. I just realized that I was saying the title wrong. For 20 years I've been saying it wrong and I only noticed it the other day. So the title is Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Like what? I don't know. I feel like is that yeah, it's called it's actually called Lara Croft Tomb Raider. It's not Tomb Raider, which I thought that it was for 20 years and I'm like, "Oh, it's actually Lara Croft Tomb Raider." Like that's the official title of the film. Wow. <laughs> and for 20 years I had no fucking clue. And I'm like, "Oh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider? Okay, yeah. that's okay." Yeah, I yeah, I had no clue until right now. This is this is news to me. Yeah, it's blowing my mind. And people listening are like, oh. I'm like, I'm clicking off this podcast right fucking now. (laughs) So anyway, uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider, released in 2001, directed by Simon West. Lara Croft embarks on a journey to find an artifact that possesses the ability to control time. A secret society wants to lay its hands on the relic for its own immoral purposes. Okay, I went to see this movie in the cinema uh, when it came out. I love this movie so much i mean look before we before we start with the opening thing is there any other like video game character that is perfectly cast than angelina jolie as lara croft like she looks like she's stepped out of the fucking games into the movie uh okay well first of all like you i did i i i went to go see this in the theater when it came out and i will just say one thing, and I just have to say this, Laura Croft or or Angelina Jolie in this film as Laura Croft is, oh, come hither here, sweetheart. She is just so fucking perfect. There is not a, oh my God. I mean, look, look, I love uh, Alicia Vikander in the remake of Tomb Raider in the most, you know, in the most recent reboot, you know, but, but, this is my definitive Laura Croft. Her accent, her lips, the I mean, oh okay, okay. That's a I'm gonna t- Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh god. Listen, that li- the accent, because you know I've got a thing for like English accents. When she talks in an English accent, oh, oh. my god, like I I actually want to die. I'm like, fuck. Like <laughs> That should literally be her accent. Like, fuck the American accent. That should be her accent. She needs to talk in that accent forever. Anyway, let's get into it. Opening scene is we see Lara in her iconic outfit from the game, the little short shorts, the little, like, the tank top, the hair done in a braid with the Hulk guns on the side in her holsters with the boots, exactly from the games. She's walking through what we we think is a tomb. 
and she's kind of looking around and then she hears a noise and this this like mechanical I don't know, like a like mechanical spider or mechanical monster or something jumps out at her and she starts fighting it. She starts shooting it. She actually starts doing moves from the actual game. Flips. She grabs a rope. She kicks off the wall. It's a move from the game. She kicked like she 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 just does all these fucking moves from the game that that if people that have played the old school games like I have are like, oh my God, that's like exactly from the game, which I so appreciated. So she's fighting this mechanical monster in this tomb and it's it's you think it's going to get her and then it doesn't and then she sort of turns her back and it goes to kind of grab her from behind and you're like oh shit she's done for and then she turns around and she says stop and the machine kind of stops and you're like what's going on and then she flips like she pulls this computer out because it's got like a computer interface and she takes out like this little, I don't know, like a SIM card. And then she puts in another SIM card that's like a party mix and like this like trance music starts playing and you're like, what? And then she grabs it by the arm and like drags it out into her into her mansion and you realize it is, um, it's training. And uh, there is the introduction. Uh, we meet Bryce, which is the tech guy, which is the guy that invented the mechanical thing and blah, blah, blah. I love this opening scene. The reason I love it is because people that have played the old school Tomb Raider games, every, I, I don't know about every one of them, but most of them, when the game starts, it's in training mode. You don't actually go into the game. You're actually in training mode at Croft Manor. So the fact that this movie started out exactly how every single game starts out in training mode at Croft Manor blew my fucking mind when I watched it in the cinema. Tell me your thoughts on the opening scene. Yeah, well, my thoughts are kind of similar to yours because the here, this might surprise you. I played the original Tomb Raider game. So when oh, cool. when I saw this in the movie theater, I lost my mind because I knew exactly what the hell this was because I, I distinctly remember uh you know going over to my best friend at the time going i'm like this thing is a training sequence and he's like no shut up this is not from the game i'm like look at it it's exactly from the game you know you know you, you know the way that she you know the way that she moves the way that she flips her guns every every almost every move in this opening sequence is 100 accurate to the game and i fucking loved it um, there is one point in particular in this scene that I really, really love when the, when the mechanical monster is about to, you know, it, you know, is about to attack her. She turns around and like you said, she says, stop. But the way that she says it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm melting. God, please talk to me. Please, please, please. Sorry guys. Yeah. Because that's the first time we hear her accent. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, guys, I swear to you, I'm not going to melt over her accent this whole podcast, but I just might. Uh, I will. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to. Not, I'll fucking do it. I'll do it for the both of us. All right. Okay. Okay. That's deal. But I also, I also really love when she drags the robot out, uh, out of the little training area, and she, you know, she she takes it to uh, Bryce, and Bryce says, "You completely destroyed it. I, you know, I reworked it. I spent months on doing this." And she goes, uh, "Was it supposed to take my head off?" And I'm like, and he's like. Well, you said make it more challenging. So, 
It was just- yeah, and she's like, hence the live ammunition. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fuck. And fun fact, that, uh, that, that mechanical robot or whatever it is is actually named Simon um, after the director, Simon. Oh, really? So I don't know if people care. Yeah, so he, he actually named it that because there was no name for it. And he's like, well, we need a name. And he's like, just use Simon. So that's why it's called Simon. Okay. Um, the next scene after the amazing opening actually, scene is a shower scene. I, oh. Oh, yeah. No, actually, I it. do have one more thing to say. Uh, Laura Croft's guns, her her guns. Mm. Uh, um, when when Angelina Jolie uh, initially took on the role, they had to make her uh, a specific uh, pair of guns because the guns that they wanted to give her were guns for right-handed people. But the problem is Angelina Jolie is her her dominant hand is left-handed, so they specifically made her guns for left-handed individuals. Yes, I did know that, but I don't think a lot of people knew that. did know that. So that's a really, really nice um, trivia for people. They go, oh, okay, interesting. So the next scene shower. Is, a, is the shower scene. Now, some people might look at this and go, oh, what's the point? There's no point. But there's a point because it's actually from the games. Mm-hmm. So, But in the game, the shower scene is actually like full, she's fully naked. Yep. And they actually wanted to do – this is not in my trivia. This is just something – that I, I know they actually wanted to film it that way because they wanted to make it so game accurate. And, um, but they actually did film it that way, but they were going to get an R R 17 rating and they were like, well, no, we have to make it PG. So they actually had to cut it and just make it kind of shoulders, shoulders up, but it was actually going to be a big scene. Sorry, boys and girls, uh, you've missed out, but um, I don't think you've missed out too much because the scene that they shot was actually with a body double. It wasn't Angelina Jolie's body. Anyway, I love this scene. Not the, I mean, the shower scene's fine, but directly after the shower scene, her butler, I love her butler. He's so He was just cast perfectly. He's hilarious. She gets out of the shower. She puts a towel on and the butler tries to give her a dress to wear. And she looks at him. She's like, ha ha, very funny. And she kind of, she drops, she's walking away from him and she drops her towel. And he says, ladies should be modest. And she goes, yes, a lady should be modest. And I really like that little dialogue because, first of all, he's handing her a dress and she's like, fuck no, right? So you know what kind of person she is by saying, I'm not wearing a fucking dress. And the second thing is she's saying she's not a lady in any way, shape, or form. She does not fit that profile at all. So right off the bat, you've kind of got character development just in those, just in that little bit of dialogue. Um, Do you have anything to say about that scene before I move on? Yeah, I you know, you know, I thought that scene was very, very efficient because like you just said, in that little moment of dialogue when the butler comes in and offers her the dress, she says, you know, no, there's no way in fucking hell that I'm wearing that dress because I don't consider myself to be a lady. We go to we're in Venice, Italy, and we enter like this massive, massive room with there's there's seats on either side. There's about fifty people in this room, and it's filled with what looks like powerful people. There's a staging area where there's like five seats that look like like thrones that they're sitting in, and um, they're talking about locating a key, and they need it. They need it for some planetary alignment, but we, we don't actually know what's going on. We, they need a key. They're searching for a key. Something's going to happen with the planetary alignment. And then we get introduced to the bad guy of the story, Powell, who is tasked with finding this mysterious key. And if they don't find the key, then they have to wait another 5,000 years. Now, 
We don't know what the key does. We don't know what it looks like. We know nothing about it, but we know that these are the bad guys. These are who she's up against. So this was the introduction, which I thought was quite good. And look, the actor that plays Pal, he just looks like a dick. Like he looks like a bad guy. And so you're just like, okay, so he's the bad guy. There's all these powerful people that just look, they're old, they're in suits. They just look like they've got nothing better to do with their life than ruin the earth. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, any thoughts on that scene? Yeah. Um, that scene when we, you know, when we were, you know, subsequently introduced to the bad guys of this first movie, they're essentially the Illuminati. I really thought as the Illuminati, as a bunch of, you know, you know, cannon fodder people, because I subconsciously knew that the bad guy of this film was going to be Powell. And the actor who plays Powell, I think, is the actor who plays uh, Khaleesi's protector in Game of Thrones, if I'm not mistaken. You can, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Yeah, it is. I think it is. And and he also plays uh, uh, Bruce Wayne in uh, in Titans. Um, yes. So yeah, yeah, I so so I so so I like the initial setup of the Illuminati, but I just wish that they were a little bit more menacing and powerful instead of just being like you said a bunch of old guys in chairs that want to end the world for no good reason no i agree but i think that that like if that were true i i imagine that that's what they would be like people that just have too much money and too much time on their hands and they get bored they're like what can we do let's just fucking try and fuck the earth up like this is this is how i actually imagine the illumin i don't imagine it like like a james bond spy movie or like freemasons i imagine it like old pe old rich people that had that are just bored that just want to mess shit up but i do understand where you are coming from with that like you just wanted a little bit more from them than sitting in chairs and just going we need the key like i do understand it from 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 that perspective so we're moving on we're back at croft manor and Lara's sitting at her desk. She's got a she's got a feet up on the desk, and her butler comes in, and he's giving her paperwork of potential adventures. And he's like, "Oh, okay, so here's here's a potential adventure in Egypt." And she's like, oh, "Egypt, just pyramids and sand everywhere." And he's like, "All right, well, well do you want to go here? Do you want to go there? Like, um, just like you know, because she's bored. So he's trying to help alleviate her fucking boredom. And then she looks at him and she goes, "Do you know what day it is?" And he's like, "Yeah, I know what day it is." And so. We see her go outside and we see a memorial to her father, Richard Croft, and it says missing in the field. Um, and her father in this movie is played by her father in real life, which I pro a lot of people fucking know. But just for those who don't know, that's true. Um, and I like this scene. It seems out of place, but I like it because it's character development and it shows that she's, she's, she's tough and she can fight, but she's also got this softer side and she's also got this side – that she loves her father, she'd do anything for him, and she's got this sensitive side. So I thought that that was really nice kind of um, character development for her. This is actually one of my favorite scenes in the in the movie, and it's really short, but the thing that I like about it so much is it's exposition, but it's not exposition. It's not, it's not exposition. It's not exposition forced down your throat. It is subtle exposition, and the only... And I love the way that the writer of the film and the director of the film chose to feed this out to us, right? The butler comes in and he hands her the, the case of, you know, potential adventures. And all she says is, do you know what day it is? Right. And I love the fact that the writer and the director 
treated the audience smart and they said no the audience is the audience is going to be able to put this together so i really 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 did appreciate that the other thing that i thought was very interesting here's a here's another fun factoid um Angelina Jolie's father, uh, John, uh, John Voigt, took this film to get closer to Angelina Jolie because at the time they were having issues. And he took this film without reading it because he wanted to get close to his daughter. So the only reason that he took this film was because he wanted to get closer to his real life daughter. So I found that to be really, mm -hmm. really kind and yeah, uh, um, really, really interesting. Sorry for going on that tangent there. No, 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 that's fine. That's true. Um, that 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 um, that he did that, which I think is a really kind gesture um, from from a father. So up next, uh, Lara's asleep and she has a dream, and she has a dream about her father, and her father is showing her like a like a wooden oblong box. And he's talking about the alignment of planets. Now, the alignment of planets we've heard we heard previously. The Illuminati was talking about it, and then and we hear a clock ticking in her dream, and she wakes up, and she begins. She's walking down the stairs of her mansion. And by the way, the way that they have modelled um, Croft Manor is exactly like the game. Every staircase, every room, every doorknob—it's exactly like the game. So I appreciate the little, the little subtle details that they put into into um, building Croft Manor. Anyway, she's walking down the stairs, and she's she doesn't quite know what she's looking for, but she started suddenly starts hearing ticking, and so she's halfway down the stairs, and she puts her ear up to the like I don't know, there's like a little cubby hole, I guess, but it's not like um, a little hidey hole. Uh, it's yeah, there's like a little hidey hole, but it's not obvious. So anyway, she hears ticking and then she sort of kicks it kicks it open um, and she finds like a secret room um, and she finds the box and in the box is the clock. Now, look, I, I, I adore this movie. I have an issue with, the, with this scene because it's, it's – she had a dream where she was told what to do and you know what I'm like – wherein protagonists are told what to do. They could have written it in a way where she could have found it organically. She didn't need to be told. That was just a device to push the story forward. But they could have done it so many other ways. I didn't like no. it. It was like, oh, she had a dream and now she's searching for this and now she's – do you know what no. I mean? Like I just – I didn't like it. No, but here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. She could have just woken up and she could have mm. – she could look like look, look. Laura could have woken up. She could have gone through her immaculate, beautiful house that's built just like the video game, like you, because mm -hmm. I played the video game. I love the production design in this movie, so it's really, really wonderful. But she could have woken up to go to the kitchen or something, and while she was walking down the stairs, she could have heard the ticking. And then, mm, yep. and then just move her over to the wall. And by the way, I love the way that she busts through the wall. It's like this is her fucking house, but she basically grabbed like a like a fucking statue and just yeah. bastardized the wall. I love the way that Laura conducts herself in this movie. I mean, there's a there's a scene that we're gonna talk about in just a minute where Bryce is meticulously trying to open up the clock and Laura gets impatient and she just does something and I'm like, that is amazing. Um it's just so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so she finds this clock and then she 
I love the tech guy, Bryce. He's actually an Australian actor. So she knocks, he lives in a trailer in her backyard <laughs> and she knocks on his door and you can see he's like this huge tech guy and this techie little, like, little Why the fuck does he live in a everywhere. Fucking- no, but it's funny because she, I love this movie because they just put funny lines in it randomly. Like she knocks on the door and she's like, there's like, there's 83 rooms in the house. Why can't you stay in the house? And he's like, yeah, I, I am a free spirit. <laughs> like he wants to stay in his fucking trailer. And she's just like fucking out. And then he says, what's that smell? And she's like, 5 a.m. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's funny. So anyway, she grabs him and they're in the house and he grabs, he doesn't know what it is. It's like, it's a clock. It ticks. And she's looking at him like, I know it's not a fucking clock that ticks. What is it? So he gets a camera, a little like, um, like a snake camera and he puts it in and then he spots something glowing and she's like what's that and he's like i don't know so he turns the clock over and very delicately he's like unscrewing each screw and so he can remember where it goes and then lara's basically gets a hammer and smashes it open which again character development saying she's impatient she doesn't do things the the slow way she gets it done no matter what the consequences are and i i love the fact that she she does that so wait before you say anything before you say anything um in the thing is like a weird looking circular like amulet thing and in the middle there's it's glowing it's got like runes on the outside we don't know really what it is and then lara says oh this is the all-seeing eye and that's the end of that scene. So go for it. There's only one thing that I need to say about this scene, and it's not really about the movie, but when Laura takes the hammer to the clock, I was like, that's just something that totally somebody that I know would do. And I'm like, <laughs> that's right. And I'm yeah, like, I'm so, I am, I'm the most impatient person ever. You know, I can't, I can't do things slow. You know, and again and again, because I don't want to stop talking about it. Because Zine is probably going to bring it up as well. Angelina Jolie's accent in this movie is so, so fucking good. delicious. Okay, onward again. Okay, so the next scene is another hot as fuck scene. Lara gets on her motorcycle dressed all in black and she's zooming through the streets of London. And I'm just like, oh my God. <gasps> um, and she goes to an auction house. And I love this. She... The door, the big doors open. There's an auction going on, and she walks in in like her motorcycle ac- uh, accent, her motorcycle gear with her black glasses on, and she walks in like she fucking owns the place. She has so much confidence, and then she pulls up a chair, and then pulls the chair in front of her to put her feet on. Like she does not give two fucks, no. <laughs> and everyone's looking at her, and she's like, "Yeah, and what?" I, she. She's so confident within herself. She does not care what anybody else thinks. And uh, I fucking love that. So any thoughts on that delicious scene? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. Like you just said, you know, the leather, the bike, the fact when she walks right into the auction house, she sits down to this 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 nice, you know, old rich guy. And she just, oh, and, and the way that the rich guy turns his head and just looks at her but she doesn't actually look back at him. It's just wonderful. It's just, oh, so many levels of so. Guys, this movie is peak coolness. I mean, oh, I can't. It's great. It's great. I can't say. <laughs> so the next scene, um, after that, she we're introduced to Alex West, who's played by Daniel Craig. And 007. Before you know, 007, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
So I I find it funny because instantly you know there's issues between them. You don't know if they've been in a past relationship. You You never really know what happened. It's never really explained. Although there was like two or three drafts of this of of Tomb Raider um, where they did actually have a relationship and then they didn't. And then he messed her over and that was in the script and they took it out. But ultimately they decided to take all of that backstory between them out because they thought that it would just convolute the story and take away from from really the story which was about her and Tomb Raiding, which I like, but it 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 would have been interesting to have a little, just to know a little bit more about what happened between them because you know something happened. Uh, but I, I, I love this line of dialogue and she turns around to him and she says, so Alex, are you still pretending to be an archaeologist? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this bitch is literally my spirit animal. Yeah. She is everything I want to be and more. I just, I fucking, I love it. I love it. No. So what do you, what do you think about you that? You know, you know, you mentioned that they, uh, in early drafts of this film, in early drafts of the film, they had more of a romantic angle between uh, Daniel Craig's character and, and Angelina Jolie's character. I would have appreciated a little bit of, uh, just, just a hint at that, uh, at that relationship. Um, like you said, because, like you just said, uh, you know, it, the, it, it's hinted at the history, the, the, the history, Jesus Christ, the history is hinted there, but it's not really, it's explicitly said. So I would have just liked a little bit, but no lie, when I saw their first interaction, I was like, that motherfucker cheated on her, didn't he? And I was like, oh yeah, that's why she... I don't, I don't know. Like I... Yeah, I have. I don't know. Like you could speculate. We can speculate, right. but I, I don't know. I, I, I always assumed they had a relationship. It ended bad. I didn't think that he did that. Mm-hmm. I just thought that he. I don't. I don't know. I just thought that it just ended badly. No, but I never yeah. thought too much into it. No, no. The other, the, the other thing that was happening to me during this movie, and this has nothing to do with the movie, but I was like, this is totally something that someone I know would do. I'm like. She would do this. Dean would do this. And I'm like, it was it it was crazy. I'm sorry, guys, but I just I <laughs> I just saw my friend all over this movie. I'm sorry. Oh wow. I think that's like the best compliment anyone has ever given me. Well, so so wait a minute. So so wait so wait a minute. Did I just compare you to Laura Croft? I think I just did. Oh my god. Oh, I don't I don't know. I don't even know how to take that. I think Thank I you. just you're welcome. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I wish I was Lara Croft. Holy shit. Oh my god. My dream job would be fucking like not robbing tombs, because I feel like that is wrong, but exploring tombs. That would be awesome. I wouldn't take anything because you don't you can't do that. So um Lara has an appraiser look at this like circular amulet thing. And it looks like it's counting down to something. And it looks like a key because when she turns it over, it looks like it's got like, not keyholes, but it looks like it can go into something. And so when she says it looks like a key, it's like, oh, wait a minute, the Illuminati are looking for a key. Is this the key? Yes, I think it is. And then the appraiser, who she thinks is her friend, sends her to Powell, which is the bad guy. And you're like, oh, no, he's the bad guy, but she doesn't know it. And I actually really love it in movies when they do this, when – when the audience knows something that the protagonist doesn't. I love it when they do that. So it's like you're sitting there, you're like, he's the bad guy, but Lara's not fucking stupid because the next scene she goes to see him and she takes 
Um, she brings him photos of it and he's like, oh, it's a shame you didn't bring the real thing. But she's not dumb. She's smart. And then he goes, you know what? I have no idea what it is. And she's looking at him like, you are the biggest bullshit artist. Like, she knows he's bullshitting. And even when she gets home, she's like, he's a fucking lying sack of shit. So um, any thoughts on those two scenes before I move on? Yeah, I, you know, I thought the, you know, I thought the way that she conducted herself uh, uh, with the guy who was appraising the clock, who happened to be a friend of her father's, was the way that she spoke to him just made me melt um, for reasons that we've already said. Um, and I love that. I love that as she's driving away in her bike. Uh, the director pan, the, the director focuses in on the old guy looking at a picture of him and her father and he says I'm sorry and he says forgive me so I really really enjoyed that when she does meet Powell for the first time in the movie it's very very smart that she brings pictures of the clock and not the actual clock because like you said she's not fucking stupid and mm. um and also I love the the introduction of uh, of uh, Mr. Pims. <laughs> oh my God, he's so funny. He's like, my name's Pims, and she's like, Pims. He's like, yes, like the beverage. <laughs> yes. But um, but you know, but but correct me if I'm wrong. I I think in earlier drafts of the script, he had more to do. I think. I don't know. I haven't I haven't read earlier draft. I would assume so because I actually really like his. They, they've given him a lot of um character. Mm-hmm. To be to to be un, he was very underutilized. So yeah. I would not be surprised if a lot of his scenes were cut because there was a version of this movie that was actually over two hours long. Oh, really? So, but they cut it down to eighty-eight minutes. Yeah. Okay. That was the direct. That was Simon West, the director's cut. Is the, but it was too long, there, so they cut it out. Is it, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put us on track in just a minute. But is there a director's mm. cut of this movie somewhere? I've never seen it. I've never seen a director's cut. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it exists. Also, yeah. Also, also, I did listen. I I know that we're ahead of Laura in this movie, and I know that we understand that Powell is the bad guy, but I think Laura knows from the minute that she meets Powell that Powell is the bad guy. So I don't think that oh, yeah. Laura, you know, walks in there and it takes her I I think she already knows that she's being that she's being set up. Yeah, she knows, which is why she bought pictures. She knows. Right, right, right. She's not stupid. No. So the next scene, I um okay, the next scene is a big scene. Oh yeah. We're at her house and she's doing this like bungee ballet in the middle of her mansion, which actually looks quite fucking relaxing, can I say? Yes. <laughs> and it looks super fucking fun. And she's doing it in her pajamas, right? And I'm like, damn, that looks just like what a nice wind down and what a nice stretch. She's doing these flips. She's jumping on the barristers and jumping down. Like it just looks like a jumping castle, but like for adults. Yeah. <laughs> um, so outside is like pissing down with rain and we see a SWAT team starting to surround Croft Manor and you're like, okay, something's about to go down. And then suddenly the SWAT team jumps in through the roof. I don't know why she has glass fixtures as a roof. I think they just put that in there for the movie, but I thought that quite odd that it's not really a roof because they smashed because it's because gl- it's glass. I don't know how eco- economical that that would be, but anyway, the SWAT team jumped down and they're on bungee cords as well. And she, it's a massive, massive, massive fight scene. 
um, that it's hard to explain because it would have, it, I don't know how long it took to shoot, but it would have taken a long time because Angelina Jolie is on that bungee cord for 90% of that fight scene. And it's all done in the air, which is so fucking, it just looks fucking cool how she takes these guys out while on this bungee cord. It's just fucking awesome. And she does it all in her fucking pajamas. So <laughs> When she's when she's out of that scene, we go to um, the garage, uh, the garage. Her, gar- the her, garage. her garage, and and Bryce wakes up and he's like fuck, and he can see that she's surrounded. So he he gets he hits her up on the radio and he's sort of telling her where the bad guys are. And then there's this awesome scene where she gets on a bike and she like does this jump and she's got this gun and she's like shooting this guy midair, like it, again in her pajamas. And there's there's like all this fight scene in the gar- in the garage. And I just, again, and they steal the clock. So basically she knows why they're there. They steal the clock. Um, but that scene is a great scene. Again, she does it 90% of it in the air, in the budgie cord and in her fucking pajamas. Could you be any fucking cooler than that? No, I, no, 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 I don't think you can. And, and you're right. This scene must've taken maybe like I, I don't know how long it, it must've took them to film this. Cause this scene, this scene, this scene almost looks kind of impossible. There's two moments. There's a couple of moments that I want to call attention to about the sequence of her bungee jumping. And when she gets to, when she gets to the garage, when she gets to the garage, she takes, um, a, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a tool that you use to, to, uh, to squeeze bolts into tires. Right. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And and she takes a screwdriver and she puts it in the gun and she uses the the compressed air of the yeah. of the and I'm like that is so awesome. So I love that I, I love that point as well. Also, I love the moment when the bad guys shoot up her her little her little uh thing where she has all her keys to her cars and she just yeah. and she just sort of goes over there, cr- crawls over there, nonchalant goes, "Oh, I found my keys to my car." <laughs> <laughs> and you know it, it is so cool also one more thing i would like to point out about that scene uh as laura is dealing with these guys her butler wakes up and oh what, yeah what he does is so cool he grabs a shotgun he puts on his slippers and he proceeds to walk around the house slowly killing folks with a shotgun and i'm like okay it's so cool I love that. Yeah, I love the butler scene because he does it so calmly. He's like, "Yep, all right, yep, just gonna put my uh, my v- bulletproof vest on. Gonna get my gun. Okay, like like he's like you can tell he's gone through this a thousand times. Like it's not, it doesn't even phase him. He's just like, "Yep, okay, let's we're doing this again." <laughs> so the next scene, um, actually, I don't know if it's my fa- it's definitely my favorite line of dialogue in the whole film. So the ho- her whole mansion is fucked up. There's glass everywhere. Everything's fucked. They've just there's a just after the big fight scene, and Bryce and the butler are cleaning up. The house just looks fucked. And there's a UPS guy, and he pulls up to the house, and he walks in, and he's and Lara comes downstairs, and he drops off like a like a letter or a package or whatever, and he's looking around at the house that's all been like shot up and everything's falling apart. And Lara looks at him, and she goes, and she notices he's just like going, "What the fuck's going on?" And she goes, I woke up this morning and I just hated everything. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And I just thought that is the best line of dialogue in this movie. 
I just, I fucking, every time I hear it, I piss myself. I just, I love it. I love it so much. So she opens the letter and it's from her dad and it was posted before he died to be delivered today. And this letter is a quote from a book. And the quote is, to see a world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. And so Lara goes, okay, this is a quote from a book that, that her and her dad used to read together. So she goes to the library, she finds the book and she finds that in the kind of like in the back end spine of the book, there's something there. So she gets a knife out and there is another letter. And in the letter, it's actually telling the backstory of the key and that the key is an instrument to get two pieces of a triangle. And when you get these two pieces together, it actually has the ability to control time. So back in the, I think it was like the Mayan era, um, they, they, there was, there was some emperor that used it, but then, you know, it went, it went, you know, as it always does when humans try to do stuff that they're not mentally ready for. Um, he fucked it up. The key was split into two pieces and placed on opposite sides of the earth and never to be brought together again. Why does that? So why does that, why does mm, that always happen with like ancient curses? Why, what, why is it that, why is it that, that, that ancient civilizations always take treasures and split them up? Do you think they do it because of, of, you know, you know, because they worry that, that nefarious organizations are eventually going to come after this thing. Wouldn't it be easier to keep something in one central location? No, that would make it easier for them to um, rob. Yeah, because if somebody gets it, then they can control time and fuck up basically the world. It's better to get the two pieces as far away from each other as possible. Yes. Um, so that never happens again. Yes. So like I do, yeah. I do kind of understand yes. that. Yes. Sorry for that. Sorry for that, you know, lapse in logic on my part, but on you go. Sorry. No, 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 on, no, no, no. It's a valid question. On you go. So, uh, where are we? Yeah, yeah. Opposite sides of the earth. So in the letter, it says, um, she has to get the key before the, basically the bad guys do and destroy them. Um, and so that's, that's the mission. That's what she has to do because thus far in the movie, she never really, she doesn't really have a mission. There's nowhere that the movie is going, but this letter is basically like, you have to do this. I find it funny that in his letter, he's like, by now you would have heard the ticking clock. And it's like, how? Yeah. Because randomly she had a dream about a fucking ticking clock and she went looking for it. But what if she read the letter and she was like, ticking clock, what the fuck? I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, what if that letter could, could have been the precursor to her looking for the clock? Like that, that, that kind of would have been that better in my eyes. That would have worked, but also, also, if she would have, if she would have found the letter, and if and if the letter led her to the, if the letter, if she would have found the letter, and the letter was the thing that led her to the clock, tongue twister. Mm. Uh, yeah. For someone, you know, you know, for for someone who likes characters that discover things on their own, wouldn't that necessarily be cheating? Because because the letter, you know, sort of sort of pointed her in the right direction. Um, no, because sometimes with protagonists, they need to be pushed in the right direction, but it can't be obvious, and it has to be. It has to make sense. Like a dream, that's like, oh, that's convenient. Do you know what I mean? But a letter posted before he died, which people actually do to be delivered on a specific date. 
that's to me that's plausible mm, to me it's okay. like oh okay that could happen that 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 could happen so yes i would i like protagonists to like do research 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 but in this instance i do think it would have worked better than a random dream because dreams are random like how would he know that she would have find have found the ticking clock by now mm-hmm. like how would he know that yeah i know and you know and just to and just to uh sort of reference what you said this movie I don't think this movie has a focus problem for me. I think I even 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 as a kid um, uh, watching this movie because this movie came out when I was in when I was in sixth grade. Um, uh, yeah. So while I was while I was falling all over myself for Angelina Jolie, my young brain had no qualms. I, I, I didn't have a problem understanding what Laura was up against in this movie. So I don't necessarily know if her finding the letter and really hammering home the point of this movie the, the point of this movie was necess- was necessary but for today's audience I think it was um do you can uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry if that doesn't make any sense. Um no, I agree with you. Okay. I agree. Okay. Um so uh, in the letter, he basically says you have to go to Cambodia. So the next scene, uh, she goes to Cambodia. Well, they're like, how are you going to get to Cambodia in like fucking 60 hours? She's like, oh, don't worry. I have my ways. And then you see a photo with her and she's like in special ops. And so she calls in a favor from from the military and she's basically like airlifted her and her fantastic looking Jeep into the brush of of Cambodia. And they actually did film in, in Cambodia. Um, so she's there. And she gets to the, the the where she's supposed to go, the ruins or whatever. And we see Powell is there, and Alex West is there. Alex West is there, which was what not what she was expecting. And they're trying to get into this temple. Um, and there's these massive, massive stone doors that reach. God, it would have been like 20, 30, 40, 50 foot, like massive stone carvings. Like everything looks very, very ancient, and. They've they've attached um, ropes to the to the stone, and they've got all these locals that are pulling the ropes to try and get the the stone structure down so they can enter because it's a it's a doorway, and so they've got about 50, 50 local Cambodians in the movie trying to trying to get this door down. Um, I now this is a me thing. This is not a movie thing. This is just let's just digress into a me thing. I love how the locals are helping them break into their own sacred temple. Like, I feel like people would do anything for money. Like I'm sitting there watching it and I never even, this never even occurred to me before, but I'm like, this is your heritage. This is, you're, you're letting white people break into it because they want, like, they know they want to steal shit. Like, why would you do that? Why would you help them? But again, this is a me thing. This is not a movie thing. But did you, I mean, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I just, I was just like, man, Really, like, no, don't. Not everything is is about money. Some things you just have to take pride in yourself and be like, you know what? I'm actually not going to be a part of this because this is wrong. No, I actually, you know, uh, for, first of all, first of, first of all, that scene with the locals helping them break down the open the temple. The first thing I said was slave labor. Uh, <laughs> the second thing that True. yeah, the second thing that I said was money is a powerful motivator. You know, um, sure. you know, you know, you know, these people living in the, 
sometimes surviving is more important than the heritage that you have around you. And if no, that's true. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, and if these people needed the money to survive, I can understand them picking their heritage over survival. It makes sense. Um, you mean their survival over heritage? Thank you. I said it backwards. See, guys, this. Yes. See, guys, <laughs> this is why Dean is amazing. Guess what? I'm going to lead that in. <laughs> <laughs> um i i do agree with you i because i i did that thought didn't come in did come into my head it's like these people are poor as fuck and if these americans came in it's like hey oh. you know we'll pay you five us dollars each which is like a million dollars to them oh. like yeah like i do understand yeah also also did it also did it cross your mind if any of these locals refused they would have been shot and killed you do know that right maybe i don't look i don't think they were that vicious. I mean, in my mind, it was because there's, there would be so many fucking locals. And of course, like, I reckon they all would have gone, oh, money? Okay, I'll do it. I, I don't think it was to that degree where it's like, if you don't help, we'll shoot you because it didn't come across like that at all. Okay. Um, it could have been. It could have been. I don't know. We don't know. But anyway, that's a me thing. That's got nothing to do with the movie. Let's move on. So anyway, Lara's got binoculars. She sees them and she's trying to work out, okay, I got to get there. How the fuck do I get there? So she gets in her fucking awesome Jeep and she's headed to the site. She's driving through all this jungle and then she suddenly stops the car and she sees these beautiful butterflies and she's like, oh, she gets out of the Jeep and she's at these ancient Cambodian ruins, which are real ancient Cambodian ruins that they filmed at. This is not a set. This is not made up shit. This is actually where they filmed, which is which is why it looks so beautiful. It just looks so beautiful. Anyway, she's walking in the ruins and she sees this little girl and she's kind of following her around. She's like, what's going on? What's going on? And then she falls into the ground and she's falling down this huge hole and she grabs onto what looks like hanging tree roots. And she finds herself inside the temple where she needs to be. Now, two things here. One, some would say, how convenient that, like, she just happens to stop. She just happens to fall into the temple where she needs to be. <laughs> how convenient. But in my mind, that's how the universe works. She was driving to the site. She saw butterflies. She was distracted. She goes, oh, and then she goes, she gets to the place she needs to be, which again, I'm digressing, is how the universe works. They don't, it, the universe doesn't often tell you, you know, go this way, go that way. They kind of just push you in the right direction. So for me, it wasn't convenient. It was just like, this is how the universe works. But that's from my mind. <laughs> for for me, it played quite differently, but kind of quite differently. I thought that that was just mm -hmm. writer's convenience. Um, yes, yes. And, you know, and secondly, if I just could say one thing about the universe, sometimes the universe talks through absolute idiots to tell people, to tell much smarter people really what they need to hear. <laughs> okay, push us on. Uh -huh. that, that, one, that one's for you. <laughs> anyway, um, so she's hanging. Stupid. So she's hanging by the tree roots. <laughs> She's hanging by the tree roots and she shines her light in the temple and it's this beautiful, beautiful temple and there's like stone gargoyles and stone like, I don't know, half man, half winged creatures. Like it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's what you would expect an ancient kind of temple to look like. 
So she's hanging there and then she sees the bad guys enter via the front entrance because they've gotten the stone wall down. Um, and then she jumps um, on the, onto the nearest um, ledge. Um, so they're trying to work, the bad guys come in, they're trying to work out how, like, how, where does the, where's the key go? And so Lara actually finds the lock for the key where, up where she is, but they find a lock for a key up down where they are. So he's brought, Powell has bought Alex West because Alex West is an archeologist. So he kind of figures it out. He's like, this is the key. This is what you need to do. So they all get together and they're counting down because they have to put the key in the lock at exactly the right time of the planetary alignment. So they count down and go to put the key in the slot, thingy and then lara yells at them it's fake um the real keyhole is up where i am well can i just like i I need to say something first 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 they just shoot at a woman and uh uh just randomly first they try to kill her first and then she says uh you know um you know um you know you know you, you guys are making a mistake i just wanted to i just wanted to put that out first they shoot at her but isn't that just a human response? Shoot first, ask questions later, military style. Yeah, kind, yeah, kind <laughs> of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why there's so fr- there's so much friendly fire in wars because they just shoot. Yeah. They don't look at what they're shooting at; they just fucking shoot. Yeah. Also, so from a military point of view, I get. Yeah. It. Also, the um, the uh, uh, the I, I just want to I, I just want to put this in really quick. The um, the people that Laura contacts to get her the jeep and to get her into the jungle isn't the american military it's the british military obviously well yeah obviously because she's british yeah obviously yeah so anyway she's up there she says to them like the key's up here and like powell powell is basically like how can we trust you and she's like all right well fine don't trust me that's fine (laughs) and she's like but i'm telling you it's up here and so he's got like 30 seconds to kind of go do i trust her do i not trust her and then she goes look if you get it wrong then you don't get the first half of the artifact. Um, I I find this. P- please explain this. I find it difficult because if if they don't put the key in the right lock, then they just don't get the artifact, and they have to wait another five thousand years. Isn't that the point? Not to reunite these two triangles. Like, yeah. Why doesn't she just not do it? Yeah, that's the point. The, yeah. Um, the The reason why she 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 wants to do it is because look. Powell's organization wants wants the triangle to rule the world and to make the world what to 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 make the world into the image that they want to make that they want to make it into. Mm. Laura's reasoning for doing what she's doing is much more personal. She wants the triangle to spend more time with her father and bring back her father. No, but no, but that's not a thought in her mind yet. That only comes about at the end of the movie. Really? So right now, yeah. So okay. right now, the only reason she wants that triangle is because her dad told her you have to destroy it. Oh, okay. But if you see, like later on in the movie, we'll, we'll get to it, is when Pow says you could see your dad again, and then it dawns on her. Oh, I can see. Like she hasn't even. She didn't even. Wasn't even thinking about that. Okay. 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 So okay. So I. So I apologize, guys. I completely misread that situation. <laughs> So, yeah, I was just thinking, like, why, like, why just, like, but, like, you know, movie over if she does that. Right, right, So, right. anyway, um, Powell throws the the fucking key up to her. She puts it in, she puts it in the key slot and um, the first half of the triangle appears and uh, Lara grabs it and then an awesome fight scene 
takes place where all the stone gargoyles come to life. Um, and there's this big, like, I, I'm so sorry. This is, I don't know if anybody. It's a pendulum. <laughs> no, 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 not the pendulum. There is this deity and I, oh. I should have looked up the name. That's that's this big day. It, it looks like Buddha. It's not Buddha. It's it's some deity, and it's massive, and it's sitting like in the middle, basically in the middle of the room, and then it comes to life, and it's got like eight arms and eight hands, and it's massive, and there's like a fight between Lara and it, and you know people are getting killed by these stone gargoyles. Like it's really really cool. Like it's a really really cool um, fight scene. What did you think about the fight scene? Yeah, it's, you know, it's really, really cool. Um, I, you know, the CGI looks a little dated, but who gives a shit? This movie is awesome. Why don't they make movies like this anymore? It's just, it's so much fun. After the fight scene, Lara has the first um, half of the triangle and Powell, we're back in Venice. Powell wants to meet with her because obviously he wants the fucking triangle. So Lara and Powell meet basically in the same room that, that the Illuminati council met in. And you've still got those chairs on either side of the room. And you've got those five big chairs that look like thrones at the front of the room. And I love this scene because he's basically saying we can work together. We can team up. It can be ours. The world can be ours. And Lara is just not listening. She doesn't care what he has to say. And she goes up to the biggest chair and she goes, who sits here? And he goes, you know, we can be a team and blah, blah, blah. She's like, she's, and he's going on about partnership. And she's like, yes, but who sits here? I don't think you sit here. And it was just like, ooh, <laughs> that's the biggest fucking like put down. I don't think you, that's basically saying you're a lackey. You, you don't mean shit. You're not the head of anything. You have no power. Oh my God. I absolutely loved it and the look on his face was just like mm, okay <laughs> and that's when he and but that's when Powell says you can see your father again and that's when she changes and she's just like huh okay and that kind of changes changes the game for her any thoughts on that scene yeah i you know i absolutely love that scene because you know laura is basically being a boss bitch and she goes you know, you are a sniveling little errand boy, and I hope that you understand that. And in the greater scheme of things, you don't matter. But then, to reassert his don, to reassert his control over the situation, he goes, "Okay, not only you can see your father again, but your father used to sit here, and your father used to be a part of this mm. council." Mm. So. He uses what power he has to get control of the conversation back, kind of. Yep. And the other, the, the yep. other thing, no, the, the other thing that I was thinking about, the other thing that I was like, does this room not have security? Like, can anybody walk in? But it's Lara. She can. She, yeah. she raids tombs. I'm sure she would have found a way in past security. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just overthinking it. But I, but I loved this scene because of the. Because of the because of the because of the dialogue, you know, sparring that was done in it. Mm. Yep. So the next scene, they're in a huge helicopter hangar, and I just again, Pims is just such an underutilized character. He's holding this box. He's like, um, they think we have the first piece of the triangle, and Powell's like, I know, and he's like, but do we? <laughs> he's like, uh, don't worry about it. He's like, he's like sitting there fucking shitting himself. I wish they would have fleshed his character out. And here comes Lara in her bad oh. ass 
white outfit with her sunnies on and she has the piece and she gives Pow the piece. Again, so I don't know why she does that. Why? <laughs> oh, my God. The two pieces combine, like, but she does it because she wants to see her father. Uh-huh. So I do understand that. But listen, you want to see your father so bad, you would let bad guys control time. That's literally like the end of the world. Like, no, I don't care how much I love you. No. Also, that's, I do not put you above humanity. You know, but also, also, I do want to point out that's being a little bit, that's being a little bit selfish. No. Yes. That's being, that, no, that's true. No, I agree. And the other, thing, the other thing is that she does give Powell the two pieces of the triangle, but she doesn't tell him the one thing that is needed to make the triangle to, to make the triangles actually work. So But what I don't understand is she got a piece of the triangle. Why didn't she just destroy it? Hmm. So then you know, you can't have one without the other. Why didn't she just shoot it like she did at the end? We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Why didn't she just destroy it? Because she's selfish. Ponder on that. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> yeah, because she's selfish. She's yes. selfish. Yes, exactly. Exactly. She's selfish. But I thought that, that was weird. I'm like, dude, come the fuck on. But any, but if she did destroy it, movie over, and we don't want the movie to be over yet. So next we're in Siberia, Russia, and we find out why she's wearing that white getup. And she's got this – I love – Listen, I have an affinity for slow motion walking scenes with awesome kick-ass music over the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when they get to Siberia, that she's got this, like, like Siberian, like, cape on with, like, a hood, and it just looks so cool. And can I just say, I know I've gone about, I know I've gone on about this with Buffy and Tron. Tomb Raider, I have Tomb Raider CD soundtrack. Tomb Raider is my favorite movie soundtrack ever. I love every single one of the songs on it. Um, it's the best soundtrack to any movie I've ever heard. Oh, so just actually, put it out there. Actually, uh, this might surprise you. I actually, I actually have the. I actually had the soundtrack. Le- you had it, or you have? No, it? I have it. I have it. Oh, excellent! And actually, I, I excellent. I still, I still need to put it on Spotify. But on this podcast, we've gone over how difficult that is. <laughs> um, yeah, but because a lot of those songs on the soundtrack, you actually can't get anywhere. Uh-huh, yeah, they're yeah. not released yeah, anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, but actually, I do want to say something very, very quickly on Laura's mm-hmm. white getup and with the jacket. Just Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie looks so, oh, so badass. It's so good. I'm the like, costume design in this movie is pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's I'm, pretty good. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my God. So good. So good. So good. By the way, I do I, I do want to ask you a question, and I'm being serious. I mean, I know that we're going to get there in a minute. But why the fuck? Did Laura bring Bryce with her? I'm like, because those guys don't even go into the fucking... I'm like... Yeah, look, he's not a field agent, but she thought... Look, he didn't really serve a purpose, but she thought that she might need him for something because he's a genius. So why not bring him along? Mm -hmm. And he's funny because when they're in the airplane... Yeah. <laughs> he's sitting next he's sitting next to Lara and he's like, My left bum cheek has gone to sleep. And she looks at him, she's like, That's fascinating. Yeah. I also yeah, oh, so I, fucking funny. You know, I also love the little tiny moment when the old guy from the Illuminati looks over and sees Laura and all she does is blows him a kiss and she's and the way the, the way that she does it, I'm like, Oh my god, I'm melting right now. You couldn't be oh such a smart ass. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so, yeah, we're in Siberia, Russia. We do the awesome slow-mo scene. 
and we're at a small Siberian uh, village before they, they go on their way. And Lara is approached by a, a girl in this, this village. And she says, don't do it. You're risking everything just to see him again. And Lara turns around. The girl is gone. And this is when her mind switches. This is when she goes, oh, fuck. Maybe, like, sometimes when we do things in life, we don't, we know that it's not the right thing to do, but sometimes it takes someone to actually verbally tell us. <laughs> and then we go, oh, okay. Yeah, it is It is actually wrong. <laughs> so I, I liked it. Look, it it was weird because it was kind of like, was that girl a ghost or not? This is not a paranormal movie. But, uh, you know, it's, I liked it. I liked it. I didn't find anything wrong with it. No, I, you know what? I, you know what? I think the scene was specifically there because it's something that Laura needed to hear. Um, and, yes. and, yes. and she needed to hear it before the last big, the last big sequence of this movie. And I do agree mm. that, so, that, that there are so many times in my life where I've made, dumb irrational decisions and i'm like if i would have just taken one moment or if i would have just called this one friend this woman would have talked me out of it and because i didn't call this one mm -hmm. friend i'm in the shit now so mm -hmm. i completely related with laura not being able to do that but i also mm -hmm. liked that this writer's contrivance was able to reset her mind before the final act of the movie yeah, because she needed to, because we, we knew that she was going, because she wanted to see her dad again. So she needed something to break her out of that trance. And I think that that's what it did. And on to your point that when you said, why is Bryce there? It's funny because they get to this like remote ice cave and Bryce is like on his computer and like it's fucking up. And then Lara says, oh, it's a dead zone. And I'm thinking. That's it. And I just thought about that now. That's exactly I'm like, wait, why? why are you, he's. Yeah, he's a tech guy, but none of his tech actually works. So why is he there? So you have a good fucking point. Why the fuck is he there? I don't know. Maybe they needed to put him in more scenes. I, I have no clue. Also, but yeah, why the fuck yeah, is he there? Also, I'm just sorry for interrupting you again. I really had to stop saying yeah, that. Yeah, go. I, I really like how Mr. Pims is the one that hangs out with Bryce outside of the actual <laughs> chamber where everyone is. It's like. Yeah. We love we love pins. Yeah, yeah. They just they they just you know they just sit there throughout the whole goddamn thing. Yeah, they do nothing. They they do nothing. They're literally just like they're not even cannon fodder because they don't die. No, they don't. So they're just bodies, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, they 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 enter this remote ice cave, um, and when they enter, it looks like a steampunk laboratory. Like that's the best way that I can kind of describe it. And in the middle of this this huge room, it looks like a massive contraption. And it looks like all the planets circling the sun. And they're constantly moving around the sun. And it's fucking I don't know what this set would have looked like, but I think it would have looked awesome because it looked it didn't look CG. It looked like they practically made everything. And it looked fucking huge so i can't imagine what it would have been like for the actors to go oh wow this is awesome i don't know at this point angelina jolly probably doesn't care but like me i would have been like oh my i would have been totally geeking out so anyway um they they have to find the, the second key so the second key the second part of the triangle is here they don't know where it is um and then alex west says i bet you it's in the sun 
And Lara's like, okay, yep, I reckon it's in the sun too. So Lara's jumping from planet to planet until she gets to the sun. And then she has the key. She puts the key in the sun and then she gets like sucked into the sun. And then she gets spat out and she has the other piece of the triangle. Thoughts? Yeah, I actually, I loved the set design of this final, you know, so, sort of cave and having the, 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 the device there that sort of echoes the sun and the planets. And I really like it because it's, it, it's actually practical. Like, like I can, like, like I actually had the, the DVD to this film, uh, 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 when, uh, when it first came out in like 2002 or whatever. And there's actually a big special feature where they show this thing being built. Uh, and, oh, cool. you know, and at the time, at the time, they didn't. I mean, sure, they they had some visual effects, but there wasn't much of a of set extensions for for those of you at home. What set extensions are is uh, the production team designs the set to a point, but set extensions is where visual effects comes in to make the set look bigger. And at the time, set extensions weren't a thing, so they physically had to build the whole goddamn thing. So. I really liked that aspect about this movie that they actually built the whole thing. Um, also, there is one point that just makes me laugh the whole entire time. After Laura gets the other half of the triangle, she basically gives it to Powell, who gives it to the old guy who's about to put the triangle pieces together. And Powell goes, enough, enough of this dribble. And they just shoot him. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't know why I found that to be so funny, but it is. It's so funny. <laughs> you thought it was funny. I thought it was cool. I'm like, dude, you should have done that before. Yeah. Because that old guy was just like an old guy that had too much time on his hands and just like, go away. Like, you made nothing. Go away. You know, yeah, yeah. You know why? You, you know, that's probably why I thought it was funny because he was useless. I'm like, why are you here? Yeah, just totally shoot. useless. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Good. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. So anyway, Powell, Powell has the two – after that, Powell grabs the two pieces of the triangle and he puts them together. And it's like this really big scene. He's like, da-da, and he puts it together and fuck all happens. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? And he, like, keeps jamming them together like he's like – he doesn't, like, am I doing it wrong? And then he sort of looks up at Lara and he's like, I know you know what the problem is. And, of course, she knows because she's smart as shit. Um why she tells him is beyond me. Oh, no, this is why she tells him. So he turns around and, like, he kind of has this thing where he's like, okay, she's not going to tell me. I need to make her tell me. So he kills Alex West. Um, and she the, – the issue is because there's no backstory. It doesn't matter. I, I don't, why does she, why, yeah, why does she care? I don't know. So I, I don't know because he, he's he's been a dickhead to yeah, her the whole film. Yeah, but, so why would she care? Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, like if – like, like if they really wanted to make that moment hit, like you and I said uh, uh, mm. earlier in this episode, if they just would have added a little bit more to their backstory when Alex or James Bond, for this matter, although he's not James Bond at this point, when he gets yeah. stabbed by Powell, we would actually feel something, and we would actually want we would actually want Laura to risk her life for him. But the fact that yeah. but the fact that we don't have any of that. It really doesn't work. I know. I think. I mean, I want to see the director's cut because I reckon that that would have fleshed out a lot of a lot of the backstory. But anyway, Powell kills Alex West, and he says he can bring him back if Lara tells him how to use the triangle. 
So Lara grabs the circle key thing and she tosses it into what looks like a like a vortexy thing and it splits into all its components. Um, like somebody's just like broken it apart. And then she goes and she grabs the final piece of the triangle, which is like a little, um, mm-hmm. like in the poem from the beginning, grain of sand. So she grabs, did you want to say something? You sound like you busting to fucking say something. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, you beat me there. I was gonna, I was just going to say grain of sand, grain of sand, get there, get there, get there, get there. Grain of sand. Yeah, grain <laughs> of sand. So she grabs it and she puts it into the triangle and... I this this next scene is very very weird to me because as soon as she does it the triangle kind of like activates and then it's shown Powell and Lara running up like a pyramid who's like who's the first that's going to be able to get to the the the, the triangle cuz whoever touches it whoever grabs it first is going to be able to, to to control time and Lara gets it. And when she grabs it, you see Powell kind of falling into the abyss and you're like, Oh, so like he's dead, but he's not, but he's dead. We'll get to that. Um, so she grabs it first and then she sees her dad um, who tells her he has to destroy the triangle. Like he, she has to destroy the triangle. Like it's, you, 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 you can't, you know, she's like, I want to bring you back. And he's like, you can't mess with time. Like you have to destroy it. And you look, you know, and I, I really liked that scene because again, her, her sensitive side, like she's not so badass. It comes through. And he's like, she's like almost in tears going, no, I want to see you again. I want to see you again. And he's like, you have to like, you cannot risk the world to see me again. That's like ridiculous. So Lara goes back in time before Pow kills Alex um, and Pow kills Alex by, he throws a knife and it like goes into, goes into his heart. So she goes back just before, just mid when he throws the knife. So the knife is in midair and she grabs the knife and she turns it. So when time catches up, uh, the, the, the knife will actually go into him. Um, and when she turns the knife, she gets her gun out and she destroys the um, two halves of the triangle and they, they burst into like a million little bits. Uh, time starts up, time catches up again. The knife goes into Powell's shoulder. He's not dead. Um, and he's very, very pissed off. Um, and then he tells Lara that he killed her father and she, he begged for his life and all this shit. Um, and then they have this hand to hand combat fight, which is cool. And obviously Lara win, wins, um, and then everything's kind of falling down around them and then she runs out. But the issue I have with this whole scene, with this whole like final scene, I like it. I don't understand what's the point of them, the, the both of them running up the trying, the, 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 the pyramid. And then pa- I thought Pal was dead. And then it's like, oh, he's not dead. Maybe that's because she went back in time. But I didn't get that scene. I felt like that scene was like an afterthought. No, no. Uh, to, uh, to me, that scene didn't make much sense either because – First of all, I mean, when when Laura drops a grain of sand into the two pieces of the triangle, like, I don't understand why I have them running out the pyramid. And, and if they wanted to do that scene, fine. But when Powell was falling into oblivion, he should have fucking died. I, the, the, the only reason that they, yeah. I, I think the only reason they did that sequence is to reaffirm to Laura to have that one last scene with her father to sort of bang the point home that Laura cannot do this selfish thing. 
because if she does this one selfish thing, the world is going to end and a million people are going to die just because she was not willing to say goodbye. And it's, you know, you know, human, look, 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 human emotion is one of the most powerful things that one of the most powerful things that everybody has on the planet. But when it comes to human emotion, costing other people's lives, that is, you know, you know, that is a serious conundrum and nobody should ever be put in that position. But if you are put in that position, I would hope that you would make the right choice and that you would put your own self, you would put your own wants and your own wishes uh, uh, away to take care of everyone else, which sounds a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, I, I agree. I mean, how many movies have we all seen where um, that is a choice that the protagonist needs to make? And the protagonist always goes, oh no, I want my dad or I want my boyfriend or I want my girlfriend. And they always choose the people that they love. Fuck humanity. Fuck the 8 billion people. I just want, to me, I get it, but it is selfish. Like you want to, you want this one person in your life, but you would sacrifice millions of people to have this one person. I don't like it when protagonists make that decision. I understand it, but it's totally wrong and the most selfish thing. So anyway, that's a, that's a cool scene. Oh, and I love it when, so everybody's running out because everything's kind of falling down around them. And she runs out and she's like, fuck, how am I going to get out of here? Because it took them so long to get in and she's going to get trapped. And then she sees like the snow dogs. Um, They had snow dogs that kind of like uh, brought them in there. And she doesn't even, she doesn't have a sleigh or anything. She just uses her feet as like stability. And it's this, and it's one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack. (laughs) The song when she's like doing that in the ice cave. It's very, very fucking cool. It's a very cool Lara Croft scene. It's so cool. I want to sing it. So anyway, after that, I know. After that, we're back at Croft Manor and I love this scene. The the butler comes, walks in like the main hall, the the main like – like living area where like the staircase is and he like he's carrying like a tray and he drops it and he's got he's like oh my god and then lara's standing at the top of the staircase in a dress <laughs> and he's just like a fucking deer in the headlights so she walks past him and she's like what well, she's she's like quiet because <laughs> he really wants to fucking say something so she walks out and she visits her father's memorial um in the dress, uh, she just there was no real scene. She just visits it uh, and then walks, kind of walks back in the house. And when she walks back in the house, the butler and Bryce are standing there, looking at her. And Bryce has a camera and he like takes a quick photo of her, which I think is hilarious because <laughs> he knows he's never going to see her in a fucking dress again. And he's, and she's just like, uh, okay. Um, and uh, the butler is holding uh, like a tray with like a like a tea towel over it or whatever it is over it and uh lara hears a sound and she's like what and she sees the mechanical monster from the start of the movie and it's coming for her and the butler pulls the towel off the tray and it's her guns and she goes and grabs the guns and turns around and then it's just like a still shot of that and I think it's a really really great way to end the movie because that's how we started the movie and it's an awesome song Where's Your Head At by Basement Jacks. Dean do you want to do your favorite part of the show trivia and guess what I do I didn't forget I do. yes 
I know you didn't forget. You're doing quite well this season with the trivia thing. On to the trivia. First up, we have Angelina got weapon training from an instructor of the British of the Special British Forces. Yep. So I thought that was pretty fucking cool. The bungee ballet scene was all Angelina. There was no double. She did everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't choreographed. She just did whatever the fuck she wanted to. And on the bit where she jumps in the chandelier, she actually fucked up her foot because she landed wrong. Ooh. So, but you know, she's fine. Yeah, yeah. did they have to um did they have to delay shooting for a little bit because she fucked up her no. foot? No. Okay. No, no. Oh, she- well, no, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't oh, that bad. Oh. She just landed wrong. Okay, okay. And, she, and you know, Angelina Jolie, she fucking pushes on. She's a champion. Yep. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones was considered for the role of Lara. Oh, hell no. That would have been weird. Different. But she is British, so maybe. I don't know. Uh, next piece of trivia is, okay, Denise, this is, this is literally how I've written it. Denise Richards, Charlize Theron, Uma Thurman, and Liv Tyler all turned down the role of Lara. Huh? Thank fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Can you imagine? I mean, I mean, live. I mean, look, 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 look. I, I, I love Angelina in the role. She's perfect for the role. That voice is just liquid gold. It's it is, yeah. But I would have loved to seen what Liv would have done with it. Liv Tyler, just yeah, Liv Tyler. Yeah, yeah. She would have been good. She would have been good. Um. Okay, so these are who actually auditioned for the role of Lara Croft. Feruja Bulk, and if you don't know her, she played Nancy in The Craft. Kirsten Dunst would have been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Mila Jovovich would have been maybe. Interesting. But she doesn't know. Too, Interesting. Too skinny. She and, has a uh, up. Yeah, she's too skinny. And Rhonda Mitra, and if you don't know who she is, she's gorgeous. And she actually would have been actually quite good because she I'm pretty sure she is actually British but she would have been good they all auditioned for Lara and Charisma Carpenter also auditioned for Lara what okay all right yeah wow um so uh which is for people that don't know Cordelia Chase from the Buffy TV show yeah Cordy man okay yeah um last piece of trivia Simon West one last bit of trivia that I didn't write down but I thought was interesting, and this um, is to do with the extended cut that we talked about before. So Simon West originally wanted the movie to be 130 minutes, which is just over two hours. Um, but, and this is just going to annoy the shit out of you as it did me, the studio didn't like that he wanted it that long. Oh. And do you know what they did? What? Do you know what they did? They, boot- they booted him off the off the project. Once he finished filming and once he got into the editing bay, they, locked him they out. booted him. Yeah. Oh. And they got someone else to come in and recut the film to 88 minutes. Who cut it? Do you know that? Who cut it? Who came in to recut it? Uh, yes, I do. Oh, God. Baird? Baird? Steve Baird? Stephen Baird? I can't. It was. Yes. Yes. I think it's him. They got him to come in and cut oh it. Oh, my God. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> but, yeah, they got him to cut it and they booted Simon Way. Oh I would have loved God. a two-hour Tomb Raider movie. Can you imagine? Oh, fucking hell. Fucking hell. All right, guys. So um, that'll do it for this edition of uh, the Mixtape Podcast. Before we say goodbye for this week, uh, if you like the show and you want to come back next week, the film that we'll be talking about next week is Final Destination 2. But 
I would just like to say thank you for listening. And until next time, as always, if someone uh, makes you a mixtape one day, that must truly mean that they love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.